Happy Easter, everybody. So what's up on your screen right now? You might have to be a certain age to recognize it, probably 60 or older. It's a fallout shelter sign, right, from the middle of the Cold War. What made me think of that coming into Easter? So about a week ago, my wife Barb and I were in Washington, D.C., visiting our oldest son, David. And the, the house full of people that he lives with are all in the same graduate program. They're all graduating. They're all anxious about uh, moving to new jobs, getting new jobs. So the last night we were out there, we, we go out to dinner with them and, and, and try not to talk about the future, just talk about other stuff. So at some point they asked us, so what was it like growing up in the middle of the Cold War? And, and what prompted them was another anxiety that I think we've all kind of felt at some level in our world, which is nobody, I think, was really expecting that um, in today's world, another country might just invade another one, as Russia has done in Ukraine. And, and I think uh, Russia hasn't ruled out the potential use of nuclear weapons. And, and again, that's something that I think most of us thought was behind us, and, and now it's on the table. And if you live in Washington, D.C., I mean, you know, it's going to cross your mind that, wow, if that spins out of control, we are living at ground zero. And it's it adds a little anxiety, and I'm thinking we all have felt that a little bit. So they asked us, what was it like growing up in the middle of the Cold War when the threat of, of nuclear annihilation was ever-present? And Barb remembers it well. She remembers ducking cover drills in school, and she remembers it making her anxious. I, on the other hand, uh, remember not being anxious, but I do always remember noticing the fallout shelter signs, and I had heard back then that they had food stored in there that could last 10 or 15 years. So every time I saw one of those signs, that's what I was thinking about. I wonder what that food tastes like. What, what is food that can keep for 15 years? What is that like? So Barb is, is, is dealing with the existential angst of, of her own mortality and that of the human species, and, and, and John's wondering what the snack crackers in the fallout shelter would, would taste like. I'm thinking it's kind of a harbinger of, of a lot of things in our adult lives. And so that's what we remembered. There are a lot of things in life that are probably worth forgetting, a lot of things that we can't keep track of, they aren't important, that we want to forget because they're difficult and they make us sad. And then eventually in life there are just things that we forget about that, that that our brains can't hold on to anymore, and we start losing them. And so forgetting, as we look back in our lives, it's, it's a part of living, right? But it's also a part of our dying at some level. Remembering, that's a positive. It's something very different, and the evangelist Luke is all over it. So let's talk about Luke here on Easter. We're reading Luke all year uh, as our gospel in, in our, our weekend services. And, and Luke is a historian who always places things within a historical setting. And, and you know one of those. You know how the Christmas story starts. It's that, that line about how uh, Caesar Augustus ordered all the world to be enrolled. And this enrollment first took place when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Um, that's Luke setting things in an overarching historical context. But in addition to remembering when something happened in history, Luke is much more about we as individuals and the things that we remember and struggle with and then are blessed by because remembering is light in our lives. 
at least when it's part of the good news. And so Luke builds remembering throughout his gospel in other ways. And it starts with the Christmas story too. Do you recall what the kind of the epilogue to the Christmas story is? It's, a, it's about Mary. It, it ends by saying, and, and Mary um, uh, recalled all of these things. She pondered them in her heart. In other words, Mary remembered her experiences of the nativity and, and all that had surrounded it, and she tried to make sense of it. But even Mary, mother of God, as a big part of the Christian tradition would call her, even Mary cannot fully process and recall what unconditional love, what its, what its scope is truly all about. But Luke's gospel continues to try and convey that to us as it goes along. It may, meets its kind of first crescendo in the story of the, of the prodigal son and his older brother. In, in that story, when the prodigal runs away and he wastes everything, what's, what's the turning point in that story? It's, it's when he hits rock bat bottom, right? And, and when he's eating pig slop. And when it occurs to him that he's starving to death, but that even his father's servants have, have more to eat than he does. And what does he resolve in that moment? What does he remember? I, I think he, he resolves that he is not worthy of love, but he at least will not be hated by his father. And, and confident in that, that he is not going to be hated even if he is not lovable. He returns home. So I, um, I asked the, the church council and members of the worship and music team to recall stories where they had forgotten something and then remembered it and, and how had that in a way maybe turned out well for them. And so they had a lot of stories, more than, than I could use. One was kind of an, a powerful one in that someone forgot uh, kind of a life-saving medicine when they had left on a vacation and could not easily get to it. And, and they survived, and they, they felt very fortunate in that, uh, forgetting and remembering a powerful story. There was one that I had kind of forgotten and kind of, kind of suppress it from my memory that Matt Griepentrog reminded me of. 2016, our youth group, uh, 63 of us were going to the Boundary Waters in Minnesota, and we always have a pre-trip where we practice paddling and dumping the canoes and cooking and tenting and all of that stuff, and we do that down at Lutherdale uh, Bible Camp in Elkhorn. And so we pack up the food for the dinner and the coolers, and we get the tents on the vehicles, and get the people on the vehicles, and we drive down to Elkhorn, and we start all this training. And then it's time for dinner, and we fire up those grills, and the coolers aren't anywhere. They're sitting on the kitchen floor back at the Cross Life campus. We forgot them. And the day is saved because Julie Lawrence tears off in her car and, and doesn't come back to get the coolers, drives around until she finds some like out-of-the-way gas station where they got like 80 brats and she brings them back and we have enough for everybody to eat. Forgotten and then kind of saved and remembered by people who find a way around the mistakes of forgetting. And, and then here's one more. Uh, if, if we uh, don't have copyright issues, you'll see uh, a snippet right now of a TV commercial. And if you're not able to see uh, the TV commercial, or even if you did just see it, of course the little synopsis is an ad I think a lot of you have seen. Allstate 
featuring something that almost all of us do as human beings. One of our, our council members wrote, wrote in about forgetting all of their uh, uh, choir music on the top of their car and driving away and seeing it just scatter to the winds. Well, that's the Allstate commercial. All these things that we forget on the tops of our cars, and, and then all of a sudden, because you've got Allstate insurance and you're a safe driver, it's still there, even the fishbowl, when you come to a stop. Forgetting and then remembering. Remembering can be hard too, right? Um, part of grief, part of getting past life setbacks is that we do remember and we work through them. But in its best senses, remembering is something that kind of jolts us back alive and, and, and puts us back in touch with what is most important. Easter is that for us. It jolts us back alive, puts us in touch with what is most important. So think of how after the prodigal son, um, Luke's gospel pushes us towards Holy Week. And on the night before he dies, Jesus gathers with his disciples and, and he breaks the bread and he shares the cup. And he says, whenever you do this, remember me. And, and maybe you've noticed when, when we officiate a communion and, and we break the bread, uh, as we say the words, when we say, remember me, we, we put it back together because that's the significance of the word. When we come to communion, we're fed with the body of Christ. But we also become the body of Christ. We become his hands and his feet, his lips. And in a world of so much noise, we become his ears, still able to listen. In other words, we are fed by the body of Christ. We become the body of Christ. We remember him. We put him back together. And we become his light in this world. And then the story continues. And we make our way to the cross. And, and, and the crowds are yelling at Jesus. And, and one of the criminals on the cross berates him. And, but then one of the other criminals defends him. And at the end, what does he say? to Jesus. He says, when you come into your kingdom, Lord, remember me. This is our most essential fear, right? That we will be forgotten. And all this man wants is to be remembered. And of course, in, in, in a generosity typical of the divine, Jesus answers him with a thousand times more than what he asked for. Not just to be remembered, but you'll be with me in paradise today. Not just remembered, so very much more. But all of that keeps funneling us to, to Easter morning and, and the greatest of good news. Because as in all the Gospels, the, the day dawns and the, the, the male disciples are in hiding, ashamed of their abject failure and denial and, and abandonment of Jesus. The women faithful come to the tomb, but they don't really have a plan. Who's going to roll away the tomb, uh, the big sto stone in front of the tomb? And, and when they get there, in all of the Gospels, they encounter both an empty tomb, or an East, at least in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, an empty tomb. And, and they also encounter some figure who speaks to them. And, and in, in Luke's Gospel, there, there are these two figures that are dressed in dazzling white. And that causes the reader to remember, because the only other place that word dazzling is used is also in a transcendent moment on the Mount of Transfiguration. When Jesus dazzles and he talks with Moses and Elijah, Peter, James, and John kind of cower. 
before the, the light that is before them. And so that moment trans, uh, trans, uh, um, anticipates uh, what happens on Easter morning. And so there are these two men in dazzling white. And, and in the other Gospels, they're very pastoral and supportive and say, don't be afraid. And, and Jesus, when he encounters people on Easter, says, peace be with you. But, but in Luke's Gospel, it's kind of this snarky moment where, where the two men, rather than like kind of being supportive, they say to the woman, what? They say, uh, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Come on. He's risen. Don't you know that? Come on. And, and then they fire at the women the question for the ages, don't you remember what he taught you? And in my imagination, honestly, that, that's maybe the one moment in history where the world stands still and it just stops turning because that's the question of the women and of you and of me. Um, do you remember everything that he taught you? And see, it's, it's not a matter of remembering like the catechism and the, all the things that you, you try and learn in a class. It, it's remembering what it's like to ponder and reflect on these things in your heart. It's, it's, it's trying to trust that you won't be heated, hated, but having no assurance that you would be loved. And yet when you return, the, this father rushes out to greet you and puts a robe on you and sandals on you and a ring on your finger. And the fatted calf is killed in celebration for your return. The lost is found again. The dead is now alive. And, and, and it's to be on life's crosses where, where we are surrounded by so much negativity and we ourselves recognize how we have contributed to the sin and failures of our own lives and of the world. And yet in the middle of all of that stuff, all we ask is to be remembered, but the word that comes back to us is, you'll be with me in paradise today. In other words, at the moment that that question is asked of the women, it, it is an opportunity to remember a little bit of what unconditional love might actually be like. And then what happens? There is this pause where the world stops turning and verse eight of Luke's great gospel his account of Easter is just the simple account they remembered. They remembered. And they went back and they told people. And it didn't matter that nobody believed them to begin with. They just kept telling people. And the good news was born. And there was light. And there was some recognition and some feeling to the depth of their being as well as yours of what unconditional love might actually feel like. It's Easter, people of God. It's a day to celebrate the best and the greatest of good news. But I think where it begins is the awareness, like the disciples, like the women, that we don't really have a plan, and that, that we have failed in many ways in life. And, and yet, when we think of our God, perhaps there is something in us that trusts that we are, are not hated, and have no reason, honestly, to hate anyone else either. And that, in fact, if we turn and head back home, or if we defend him on the cross, or if we simply receive the bread that he breaks for us, that we will remember and we will come alive again and we will understand love in our hearts, if not our minds. And as a result, we will be agents of good news to a world that needs it more than ever, but it's always needed it, and it will always need it. They need to understand what we have been graced with 
an unconditional love that forgives and that transforms. So it's Easter, people. This particular sermon does not end with the word D-O-N-E. It has to end with the proclamation of what this day is all about. And so with um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with that criminal on the cross, and with all the disciples gathered around that communion table, and with those women who appeared at the tomb with no plan, and who were challenged by those, by those, those dazzling beings, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? What's your answer to the question? Do you remember? You do remember, do you not? You remember what it is to be loved when you thought you were just a little bit beyond being hated. And as a result, it's easy for you to proclaim along with me, Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.